Um, I, I want you to have a think, though, a little bit about, think over your week and think, what kind of loving words and actions have I been demonstrating? You know, Jesus says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And, oh, here's the fruit thing. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That fruit that you show of loving one another will be what, that's how people recognise you as a Christian, as a follower of God. So, um, it's easy to say that, but it's sort of easy um, also to love those who love us and those who are similar to us. But what about those who are different to us? And was it Andrew who spoke this morning? It was so amazing to hear you. Um, the thing that you talked about is exactly what I'm about to, to delve into now. So I was praising God when you said that because I had such trouble deciding. Steve said, talk about anything. And then I feel like I have to talk about everything. So I'm really glad that um, it seems to be on a theme. So what about those who are different to us? And I'm not just talking about those who are on the fringes. I'm talking about people who even just go to another church or have a slightly different belief to you or might stand in a different position on some topic or, lo and behold, vote differently to you. Oh my goodness, politics and religion in one talk, I'm really risky, aren't I? But um, I think that some of you were here in January when I shared some travel stories and um, my holidays got a lot better than they were as a kid, didn't they? I went for 13 months, 29 countries. I really made up for lost time. Um, but um, when I was in the US in November of 2016, those two weeks leading up to the US election, I was in New York and Washington. And in New York, I'd been asking a lot of people, oh, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote? Because, you know, it's not compulsory over, them, over there for them to vote. And I was sort of surprised that a lot of people are saying, oh, no, both of them are terrible candidates, I'm not going to vote. And I thought, wow, the whole world's watching and this, this decision rests on you and you're not going to vote. That's fascinating to me. Anyway, then I was in Washington and I was in a park one day and I'm wandering around. It was sort of a beautiful area where... Has anyone been to Washington? Yeah, so there's beautiful embassies and homes and things. And I just was on foot, just wandering around, following my nose. But I needed to go to the bathroom. And so I looked at my map and it wasn't loading properly. It only had the major spots on the map. And it said observatory. And I thought, great, they'll have a cafeteria. I'll just go up there and ask if I can use the bathroom. And anyway, I start walking up this little street. And there's a little old man with a briefcase. And he looks at me and looks at me again and he says where are you headed, little lady? And I said, oh, just up the hill, you know, and we're sort of walking, you know, when you're walking with someone but not really with someone. And then he said, careful there, little lady. And I looked down and there was these big spikes in the ground and I thought, oh, gosh. So it turns out I was at the US Naval Observatory, which is uh, not like an observatory here in Australia. This is like also the grounds, which is the home of the vice president. So I practically rocked up to Joe Biden's house to use the toilet. That's how I felt. Anyway, he walked in with his little briefcase, fine, past the security guard, but the big burly security guard came towards me and said, can I help you, ma'am? And I said, I was just wanting to use the bathroom. I don't suppose you have a cafeteria? No, ma'am, we're not open to the public. And I said, right, okay. Um, do you know where the closest one would be? And he said, look, do you have ID? And I said, I do. And he said, look, if I take your ID, you can go in and use the bathroom. It's down that hallway on the left. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Gave him my ID and I ran inside and the doors open like this and then there's all these clocks on the wall and 
more doors open and I thought, oh my goodness, this is like get smart. Like I was walking along and the, the doors I went like in my head and I felt like I was being watched and I went to the bathroom and I came back out and I said, thank you so much. Took my ID and thought to myself, I'm going to be on their system, aren't they? Oh, I'm going to be on their system and on their radar. But anyway, I've got nothing to hide. So I said, thank you so much. And I walked out and I said to him, what's the quickest way to get back down to the town? And he said, oh, just through the woods there. I'm like, oh, through the woods, like, you know. Anyway, so I walk off and I went down the wrong trail and had to come back towards the entrance again. And he looks over at me and so I'm like, yes, hello, thank you, fine. And I walked down this other trail and a man was coming towards me. It was beautiful fall leaves and all of that and because it was in November and I'm walking along having a lovely time in the dappled light. Then this man's coming towards me in a tracksuit with a briefcase and I thought, oh, this is like a John Grisham or something. What is this? Like who walks with a tracksuit and a briefcase? Maybe he's heading up to the observatory but I walked past him, glanced back at him and he didn't, he didn't you know, he didn't even say hello I kept walking, finally came out into a clearing and it was a little cul-de-sac and there were beautiful homes, really gorgeous big homes. And I thought, oh wow, I love that one. My sister would love that. So I go to take a photo of this house and I lean back a little bit further to get the picture and this black car behind me that I hadn't really clocked, the window goes like this. So I turn around and this man says, that house will be a lot more famous tomorrow. And I said, Pardon? He said, the house. You know whose house that is? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, you kidding me? It's Hillary Clinton's house. And I said, really? I was just taking a photo because it looked beautiful. I'm a bit lost. And, and I said to him, so who are you? And he said, secret service. And I said, not so secret if you're telling me about all these things. So you should be fired. Anyway... He was from Puerto Rico and he liked to be in America and he, uh, we talked a lot about um, the election and I said to him, so you say it's going to be more famous tomorrow because she's going to get in? And he said, oh yeah, it's a done deal, like we've got everything in place, we'll move her out of here into another place because she won't move into the White House for a while and you know, like it's just not possible that Trump could get in and I thought, really? Because from my perspective, I'm like, there's two candidates and we don't know who's going to vote, it could be anybody. But I was really fascinated, just this, this, they're so sure that that was what was going to happen. And then that evening was the, um, or the next evening was the election party. You know, people are sort of partying around the place. And, of course, when the result was coming in, the mood changed in that city dramatically. It was unbelievable. And the hatred that started to pour out of people's mouths towards those that could possibly vote for Trump. I was thinking about it and I wasn't in the United States of America, I was in the divided states of America and I thought, oh, we're so, uh, we, we're so angry and, and we don't like when someone doesn't see things the same way that we do. And I think that when there's a difference of opinion, it can be so divisive. That's a big example, but even in just the little things in life. Now, my nan says that love does not divide, it multiplies. And what she means by that, I mean, she, she tells the story of being pregnant with her second child and she loved her first child so much she was worried that she would have to somehow take some love from that child and give it to the second child and how am I possibly going to love the second one as much as the first? And of course, when she had the second child, she was flooded with love and realised, oh, I don't have a certain limited capacity to love as I love, my capacity to love increases. So that's why she says love does not divide, it multiplies. So the more we love, the greater our capacity to love. So if someone has a difference of opinion and if that person is quite antagonistic, love is the thing that will give you patience. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. We know all of this. Love is the answer. So I read something this week that said, always seek to understand others and you cannot fail to love them. I'll say that again. Always, not sometimes. Always seek, not when it comes to you. Always seek to understand others. Not to tolerate, understand others. And you cannot fail to love them. In acting training... When we take on a character in a play, we're taught not to judge that character. And what that means is, if I were to play some terrible character, like a a drug addict or a murderer or something like that, my job is to try and get into the mind of that character and understand how circumstance has shaped them, why they have that viewpoint, why they're acting like that, and try to come at that with some truth. And so it's quite an empathetic tool. As an actor, I then... Try to approach life like that. When I see people that are really different to me or really a little bit crazy or doing things that I really don't agree with, I try to imagine what it is that shapes that worldview. So, um, oh, yeah, so I also read something this week as if it's God talking, saying, see me in the laughter of children, the courage of youth and the sweetness of old, old age and see me in those who are dull sinful, critical, miserable, and so on. I tend to meet a lot of interesting characters. I'm on a tram line that has a lot of them, and my friend always says that I attract the crazies, and I don't mind because as an actor I'm always filing away these character traits and things like that. But sometimes it can be a bit uncomfortable, and sometimes you don't feel like it. You just don't feel like it. And um, the other morning I was on the tram, and a guy hopped on. It's 8.30 in the morning, and he's drinking, and he was being really aggro with people, and everybody's got their headphones in. Everybody's looking at their phone. I have a rule not to do that on the tram just for myself I like to look out the window or read or just you know just be available to talk to people because I met so many people when I was traveling and I've found since I got back to Australia not enough people talk on the public transport so I just want to be available anyway this guy was really um sort of starting to harass the people around him and I thought what can I do in this situation like it can be a bit dangerous sometimes so I was just praying about it and I thought he's just craving connection he knows everybody everybody around him can hear him and see him but they're choosing to ignore him and so I just looked over and I thought I'll just see if he catches my eye and I just smiled and the whole time I'm smiling I'm praying oh god let him see you let this be a face of kindness not a face of fear and let him understand what I'm trying to do so I just smiled at him and he looked over and I said um oh where are you headed And then I asked him his name and he said he was heading to Grey Street in St Kilda for a hit. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, will that make you feel better? And he said, yeah, yeah, it numbs the pain. And I said, yeah, I can imagine. We started having this amazing conversation. No one else can hear us because they're in their own little world. And even if they did hear us, they didn't. They acted like they, that it wasn't happening. But I had this conversation with him and he calmed right down and I thought, he's just really craving love and connection, this guy. I can't solve his problems, but by putting on... um, the love lens, I found that I started to see him as God sees him. And just simple things like he's, he's someone's baby and he's likely a victim of circumstance and he's a slave to his addiction. He's craving connection. He's desperate for love and he's deserving of it just as much as I am or you are. 
And it was quite humbling and overwhelming afterwards. We had quite a funny thing that happened at the end when I said goodbye and then he wished me well really loudly and everyone looked over and I got off the tram. I just was laughing to myself. And he'd said to me, oh, I really like talking to you. Can I get your number? And I said, oh, I said, I reckon if it's meant to be, I'll run into you on the tram again. So um, I hopped off the tram and I was just thinking of him and I was quite humbled and I was overwhelmed to realise that God has a plan for his life just as much as he has a plan for mine and for yours and for the kids in this room. And we act sometimes like we're in this special club because we go to church and because we've got the knowledge and we've grown up with this understanding of Christ. And I just like to remind us that, like Andrew said this morning, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, It's just that we've heard the message. So, you know, I like to think always that I might be the only Christian that someone ever meets. And that's a big responsibility but it makes me think about my words and my actions. So that comes back to what the kids are going to be drawing at the moment, and I can see some of their beautiful pictures. Um, So I'd like to ask you, what are you feeding on? If it's all about what's in the heart, if an overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, what are you feeding on? Is it bad news from the world, or is it the good news that we've been given? Because if the good news is what's hidden in your heart, that's what will come out in your mouth and in your actions. So... I think it's not a coincidence that we call it the Facebook feed. It's a feed. We could scroll through probably in a week about a mile of negative and selfish, opinionated rants most of the time and um, unwholesome talk. And sometimes we get involved in it because we get fired up. And, um, yeah, I'd encourage you to try and put love and laughter and a different message out there or to disengage with it completely because it frees you from a lot of things. I've made that decision recently just to not engage with those things. Um, In Ephesians, it says to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. So we could walk around saying, you know, how are you going? Oh, you know, I cling to the old rugged cross or, you know, um, no, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean going around saying how great thou art and things like that, although that would be quite nice. But um, I think that as a church and in the family home and in your workplace, you could start to have conversations that go that little bit deeper and um, encourage one another and build one another up. So in the book of James, it says, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And here's some fruit again. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? So the message of today is that the fruit that we produce, which is our words and our actions, are reflective of who we are and what we are. So think about it this week. Just control your diet, like what you're feeding on. Because I think what goes past our ears and our eyes gets into our mind and our spirit and our heart. Dig out your love lenses wherever you've left them. Because when we look in love, we begin to see others as God sees them. And when we act in love, we introduce God to a situation. And at the end of the service, I'd like you, I'd encourage you to have a look at some of the children's drawings. Because 
we talk to kids about God, but we need to make sure we listen to them as well. Sometimes the things they say are quite profound and beautiful. The other day, my sister messaged me from Dubbo where it never rains. It hasn't rained properly since November. And she said that her little two-year-old, who's about to turn three, um, looked up at the clouds. It wasn't blue sky, it was clouds. And he said, come on, God, turn rain on. And she thought that was so beautiful and it rained that night. And he said, yeah, like that. And she just said, it's so, it's so refreshing. And so we need to listen to the kids. We can learn so much from their expression of childlike faith. And I'm sure they've drawn some beautiful pictures that will give us some insights. So thanks again for having me and um, have a wonderful week. Thank you.